Hospitality Media presents the Mike and Mo Show. Now here are your hosts, Mike Calandrillo and Maurice Moten. Welcome one and all to episode 22, 22 of the Mike and Mo Show. Man, does it sound good to say that. I am Mike Calandrillo. He's Maurice Moten, and we are in that really weird Twilight Zone, Tower of Terror area of nothing going on in the world of sports, except for things are pretty much off the field. Uh, so we're gonna we're gonna hit on a bunch of different topics this week. Uh, after you just as you know, the Major League Baseball All Star Game just just finished up. Uh, we did have the SBs last night. Uh, football's starting to ramp up, so we've got a lot of information to uh, to go over in that world. We're a couple weeks away still from the Rio Summer Olympic Games, so we don't really have anything to talk about there. But to keep a tradition going that we do have, Mo is going to open the show with his, let's call it, Let's call it a soliloquy today. It's usually a rant, but maybe Mo just might surprise us and give us a little bit something that we don't expect. So, Mo, the floor is yours. Well, uh, I've been used to giving these soliloquies to start the show. I have another one for you. I was watching the SPs last night. By the way, John Cena did a good job hosting. I thought his jokes were pretty funny. Uh, but uh, something that was more important than that, before John Cena came out and hosted the show and had his opening... Carmella Anthony, Chris Paul, Dwayne Wade, LeBron James, the Banana Boat crew came out and they had an opening and they spoke out about what's going on in the world today. And I feel like that was important. Carmella Anthony's been doing it before the before the SP, speaking about what's been going on lately with the shootings and the, and the police and everything that's going on in between. And I feel like that's important to know, especially with Jim Brown sitting in the, in the crowd at the SPs. That we have athletes speak up, we have celebs in general speak up. You saw uh, Chris Rock do this at the Oscars. You you saw uh, Jesse Williams do this at the BET Awards. He had a speech, and then the Banana Boat crew at the SPs last night continued the trend of athletes and celebs just speaking up and giving a voice to to what's going on and not just caring about their dollars. And I think this is important because in American society, we give a lot of praise to celebrities. We They make a lot of money. They do their own thing. And that's, and that's pretty much it. But a lot of them aren't apt to step up and talk about the pertinent issues that are plaguing the everyday man and woman. And for these guys to come up on the platform and, and voice their opinion and, and just kind of give a call to people, just come together, was was a good thing to see. and. One other thing about LeBron James, I'm not going to beat the whole old horse about LeBron James being someone you should you should characterize as a, as a good person. But if you think about it, we, we grow up, we idolize Michael Jordan. And yes, he was great on the court. And this is his decision, but Michael Jordan never spoke up on social issues. That wasn't his thing. I, I That's his decision. I don't paint him as a bad guy for not speaking up. But here's LeBron James. We... The social media, the internet tells us we should hate LeBron James, but he's out here. He's speaking up on on issues like this. He wore the I Can't Breathe t-shirts a while back with Eric Garner's situation. And this is a guy who's kind of like the common man. I mean, if you were, if you were trying to get your weight up in society, so to speak, and, and do things, you would want to bring your friends up with you. And, and you see he's done that with the Cleveland Cavaliers. He did it with Tristan Thompson. He's the reason Tristan Thompson is getting paid his dollars. I'm sure J.R. Smith is going to benefit from 
being close to LeBron James, he's going to benefit financially. He's going to get a good deal. LeBron James has not signed his contract yet. I'm sure it's because he wants other guys to get taken care of first. And this has been LeBron for a while. He's 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 not a me first type of guy, as Jordan would kind of make out to be. I don't know Michael Jordan, so I can't say that for sure. But LeBron James has this charitable aura about him that he's willing to give, speak up for the normal person, and speak out about issues that affect all of us. And as I said before, if you were a guy coming up, you they always say, look out for your crew. Even when you get famous, when you have the big dollars, always look out for your inner circle. And LeBron James has done that. He He's, he's stuck with his banana boat crew. CP3 and Carmelo don't have rings, but he doesn't treat them any differently. You see them together all the time. Uh, he has a wife that's not in the spotlight. And he's just not an elitist in that type of sense. Maybe in other ways you may look at him and say oh, he's so full of himself. But a lot is given to him. A lot, a lot is expected of him. And in return, he, he's very unselfish. And I think we all need to look, take a step back and look at that before we go on, on social media and bash him for X, Y, Z, all the stupid things that we bash him for. Because if, if you think about it, if LeBron James had did what Jordan did and left the sport and played baseball, we'd be killing him right now. But Michael Jordan did it. It's okay. He's still the greatest. We still respect him. And I, all I ask is that, including, including LeBron James, that we respect celebs who speak out on these social issues and just give credit where it's due. I think that's fair enough. I think I think that's a it's a, it's a great idea. I don't know if uh, the public will embrace it because everybody loves animosity and they love trouble and that's what makes things a trending topic in the world. But um, but yeah, it would be it would be nice to see. Uh, and, and I want Team Banana Boat in a city near me real soon because these are these are four guys who are eloquent, well spoken, seem to be decent human beings, and I think we need more of that in the world of sports today. Yeah, absolutely. It was just a refreshing way to start start the show, and I kind of figured they would someone would speak up. And as I said, I I read multiple reports and tweets and Instagram posts from Carmelo Anthony. He's been very vocal about this since all the happenings. And I figured if anyone was going to step up and say something, it was going to be Carmelo Anthony. But LeBron James, being the face of the NBA right now, it's important for him to be on that stage because. Everyone looks to him as as the model player, as the model person in the league. So to have him on the stage, very powerful moment. Yes, use that use that celebrity for good, unlike so many do for negative. It's uh, it's really something. Uh, I hope more do. You know, let's let let's implore people of of uh, of stature. And, and power and money to do the right thing with it, but only time will tell. So that is it for Moe's rant. We'll be right back with the open mic and uh, hold on to your britches. We got some hot stuff coming your way. We'll be right back. Open mic. Well, if you were Mr. Mike Calandrillo, you were very happy this week with the All-Star Game for Base MLB on and watching the Home Run Derby and all the festivities. If you were me, you were probably eating tacos <laughs> and drinking uh, vitamin water. But but Mike, I'm sure, had a fun time, and he, he's got some key moments that you guys might have missed. If you, if you missed the All-Star Game, it was pretty exciting. I did tune in to watch the Home Run Derby, though. But I'm sure Mike will give you some background context on that. I'll say Jiang, Jian, whatever his name is. Carlo. Giancarlo, yeah. <laughs> Used to be Mike. Giancarlo. Uh, very impressive in his in his uh, home run derby showing. Yeah, absolutely. That was a lot of fun. And I love the new format that Major League Baseball has instituted. Uh, no longer is it outs, which was painful at times. I mean, we're talking like 20, 25-minute at-bats for these guys. So now they get four minutes 
uh, each round, and it's it's just like rapid fire. How many home runs can you hit out in four minutes? You actually get a timeout in the first round, uh, two timeouts in the last round, which is really cool. And I believe if you hit we hit two balls over 440 feet, you get an extra 30 second bonus. So really really cool innovative uh you know taking a page out of bryce harper's book of make baseball fun again great idea because uh you know to be honest with you the home run derby was getting kind of stale it was going the way of the slam dunk competition at least you know before this year when when aaron gordon and zach levine you know went off but as mo did say Giancarlo stanton formerly mike stanton don't know how he got there. Uh, fantastic. I mean, the man is a beast. Although I, I'm sure as every Marlin fan can attest, every time he swung the bat uh, like the Goliath that he is, you had to cringe a little bit to worry that, oh my goodness, he might hurt himself. Because that's just that's just what Mike Stanton or Giancarlo seems to do. But he hit a, a record, an all-star record, 61 home runs in this year's home run derby 61 that 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 is absolutely insane i mean and to put it into context he covered 27,190 feet with all those home runs for 5.1 miles i don't even want to drive five miles he hit home runs that went five miles uh absolutely insane it averaged out to be 445 feet per home run i mean look this is what Giancarlo stanton could and should be doing on on an everyday basis as, as a member of the Miami Marlins, but we know that he has a trouble staying healthy. Uh, the really cool thing about this is that he's from Los Angeles, only about a two-and-a-half-hour, three-hour ride uh, to San Diego. He had his friends and his family there, but he wasn't even an all-star this year. So for him to, to make the trip from Miami all the way out to his you know homeland, California, and to put on a show when he was, didn't have to go, could have taken four or five days off to just chill and recuperate – Shows a lot. Shows the character that this guy has. He wanted to give back to the hometown team, uh, you know, the fans. And and man, man, did he did he put on a show? Well, you know, for the ages. Of course, this year doesn't necessarily deserve to be an all star. Only batting two thirty three. Does have twenty home runs, but has a hundred and seven strikeouts. So at this rate, Giancarlo is going to hit well. Got well over two hundred strikeouts. But again. Uh, that's what you expect from from a guy like uh, you know the Marlins slugging right fielder. He he should strike out close to 200 times, but hopefully he hits 40, 45, 50 home runs. And more importantly, if and when he stays hot, this Miami Marlins team should contend for a wild card spot in the National League. Now, Mo, why didn't you watch the All Star Game besides tacos? Was there anything more important? Uh, not really. I, I mean, <laughs> if you if you read reports. Uh... Terry Collins didn't even play any nope. in the game. No, so, he didn't. So, I mean, for me as a Met fan, I, I probably would have been disappointed anyway. Even though it was a smart move, if you think about it, the Mets with all their injuries and things of that nature, probably a smart move. But if you're a Met fan and you were waiting to see, you know, your beloved players take the field, you missed that. And it's just... Not a, not a good thing if you're if you're waiting for that moment. So. Yeah, well, it's funny. Pete Rose at the end of the telecast said it wrote uh, said it best. And Pete Rose, the all time hits king, regardless whether you feel he should be in the Hall of Fame or not, due to his gambling, uh, smart baseball guy. He he knows what he's talking about, and he said. The National League lost the All-Star game because Terry Collins managed to please everyone, uh, meaning that he tr- he said before the game, it is my intention to get one member of each team into the game to represent their city. Okay, well, you didn't get your own one of your own players in, so, you know, I guess what's good for the goose is not always good for the gander, but also, I do understand him not playing his his players. Obviously, the All-Star game is still an exhibition game, even though the winner of the game gets home field advantage, but... Uh, 
Ned Ned Yost did the exact opposite. You know, uh, he kept in he kept in his stars for four innings. Uh, he he utilized his lineup really well. I mean, I told you last episode that I was not a fan of the Chicago Cubs being in the infield. Uh, yes, Chris Bryant, I do like him. Yes, he did a, hit a home run, but what did Addison Russell? What did Anthony Rizzo and what did Zobras do? Basically nothing. And unfortunately, that came back to bite the National League. I mean, you could even say that it was uh, Kansas City Royals 2, National League, uh, excuse me, Kansas City Royals 4, National League 2 because of what Eric Hosmer, the MVP of the game, and Salvador Perez did with their home runs. I mean, they shelled Johnny Cueto in the first inning. Uh, Cueto pitched through almost 40 pitches in an All-Star game, and Bruce Bochy and the San Fran Giants could not, not, be happy with that. But uh, some really cool moments were, uh, were specifically when David Ortiz came out uh, the middle of the game on his, uh, his last at bat. He walked, uh, and, and basically all the players from the American League came out and congratulated him. It was nice. He got a standing ovation. National League players stood up at the uh, edge of the dugout and, you know, gave him rightfully what he deserved, which was a standing go for a fantastic career because, as you should know by now, he's retiring. 40 years old, uh, probably the greatest designated hitter of all time. Uh, he will be a, he no, he will be in the Hall of Fame. He, he should be the first designated hitter ever to uh, to reach to achieve that, which is pretty pretty much something monumental in itself. Um, we did talk about Chris Bryant going off. The guy's just phenomenal. Uh his San Diego native, so again, another guy that came came home to do big things. Yankees, Dylan Batantis, a little bit of a uh, positive note for the Yankees. 100 mile an hour, he consecutively, uh, when he came in to, to shut down the inning, one, two, three in the seventh. Uh, big play, of course, the man that continues to kill the Mets, Daniel Murphy, uh, had two more hits and made a fantastic backhanded play with the bases loaded, throwing out a runner at first in the late innings to keep the game close and to leave his National League team at least a little bit of a shot to compete, even though they weren't able to. Uh, Mike Trout, my favorite player right now, the uh, the 2014 and 15 uh, All-Star Game MVP, singled in the first inning for a five-game All-Star hit, hitting streak, which is uh, only tied by the likes of Mickey Mantle, Joe Morgan, Dave Winfield, Stan Musial, Willie Mays, and Nellie Fox. Yeah, that's uh, that's some elite, elite company. So, all in all, it was a pretty cool game. Uh, honestly, the action was pretty fast and furious. Uh, if you missed, like, the first four innings, you kind of missed a lot. But, uh, but there was a lot that went through, and it was really cool at the end when Eric Hosmer won the MVP. Uh, and, you know, they said to him on the spot, do you want the Camaro or do you want the souped-up uh, Colorado pickup truck? And he thought about it, and he said, well, my pops needs a new truck. So, uh, you know, nice to see. Uh, it, you know, it's just it was cool to see a bunch of young guys out there doing their thing. But if you're a National League fan, you got to be a little annoyed at Terry Collins because, obviously, you know, it's, it's nice that Terry wanted to save his starters, but who, who knows, putting one of those guys in might uh, might have changed the tide of the game but regardless it's neither here nor there uh we've got we've got a nice second half of the season coming up so uh it'll be interesting to watch so real quick mike mlb all-star game or nba all-star game which which had your eye more so this year which do you think drew the most fanfare you know, I, I I watch both, but I would have to say that the baseball All Star Game was more was more exciting for whatever the reason. This year's NBA All Star Game didn't even have that fourth quarter where you know it's a it's a shootout and teams are really playing. If I remember correctly, it was such a blowout in the fourth quarter that it really didn't matter. I love the skills competition of the NBA weekend. You know, the slam dunk competition did come back in a major way. 
but uh, but the, but with what MLB did this year with the uh, with the new format for for the Homer Derby, I'm I'm gonna go hands down hands down with the MLB. I think they're doing uh, I think they're doing nicer things. Uh, they still need to figure out if it's more of an exhibition game or if it's more of a, a meaningful affair because there's some you know something that's lost in translation there. But but for whatever the reason, I don't know if it's. Uh, if we're playing too much to the fans or whatnot, but the NBA thing with guys that think it's just like a Rucker Park game or an N1 mixtape uh, tour, it kind of seems to lose itself in the first three quarters. And like I said, by the fourth quarter of this year's NBA All-Star game, it didn't really matter. It was so far over. So that was pretty disappointing. So this year, going MLB, but, you know, uh, next year could very well be, you know, the NBA. I think MLB is trying to have their cake and eat it too. They want to have a meaningful all-star game, but they also want the fans involved. So that's why yeah. they have this weird twist where the fans can vote, but it has meaning. So you really shouldn't want the fans to vote if the game <laughs> has meaning. It's true. But they're trying they're trying to escape that meaningless, um, you know, mid-season, mid-summer type of, mid-season type of game as the other sports, except for the NFL have. NFL is at the end of the season, obviously, but... MLB is trying, trying their best to draw in fans and, and to make it meaningful. And it, they may need to tweak it a little bit more, maybe take away the fan vote, but find some way with, to get fans into it in another type of way, maybe in another event of some sort. But we'll see. We'll see what uh, Rob Manfred does. I mean, I'm just glad that the NFL has decided to do away with that stupid fantasy draft this year and, you know, forever because that was – I mean, I'm sorry. I love fantasy football. I'm a player, but that's just – that was dumb. Uh, you you watered down the entertainment value even more, and you just kind of made it made it like some comical thing where it really didn't matter at all. There wasn't even bragging rights. Like at least if you're an AFC fan, you know your team's in the AFC. You could say, oh well, at least my team won. But now it just didn't matter. I I don't know whose cockamamie idea that was, but yeah, good luck next time. The NFL should just cut it out and just have a bunch of skills events. Absolutely, like, players yeah. race each other. Have two quarterbacks test their accuracy. Have two kickers yeah. kick for longest field goal or something like that. Do do that because I think people are more willing to watch that than to watch a couple of players play about at twenty percent in in a Pro Bowl game. Yeah, I remember That's when I was a, want to go. Yeah, when I was a kid, I remember watching that. I I forget exactly you know if it was like ABC's Wide World of Sports or something, but they used to have those cool competitions. Quarterbacks would drop back and hit different targets from you know different yardage, and, and the field goal uh, thing was there, so that was cool. So yeah, definitely uh, they need to tweak that thing. I know it's coming to Orlando next year, so you know whatever, I'll I'll be there in some capacity. But um, yeah, just boring. Nobody wants to get hurt. You know, it's just an offensive explosion i understand that but i mean you're you're charging people an absurd amount for for uh you know for tickets the super bowl uh people the super bowl teams and the players aren't going to be there anyway so how do you have a pro bowl when you don't have the two best teams in the league that's really confusing you're absolutely right but you got to give kudos to baseball for trying yeah at least trying they're not they're not as as stringent uh, on changing things, they're willing to tweak for the fans and to get more fanfare into a sport. Because a lot of players this week have been speaking about, Bryce Harper included, have been just speaking about having fans included in the process and that it is a fun game and people just, I guess, don't understand it because they don't play. They don't, they're not in the player's position, but it is a fun game to play and they, and they just want people involved in the excitement. Absolutely. It's, it's all about the fanfare. And, you know, it, it turned out to be, you know, a great thing for the MLB. And, you know, again, MLB seems to be like third on, you know, the list of what Americans really care about when it comes to sports uh, behind NFL and basketball. So it's nice to see maybe this will put it a little bit more in the public uh, perspective, you know, from here on out. Absolutely. 
All right, so let's look at let's look at a, a look a little bit of what's to come with the with the MLB trade di- deadline approaching on August first. Uh, we're not going to get super heavy into it this week. I'm sure there'll be plenty more to talk next week uh, before the the non waiver trade deadline, meaning that teams do not have to put in for a waiver, uh, meaning they don't have to pass through every other team in their league. That doesn't come until the last day of August. Uh, but there are some players out there that uh, could potentially and should potentially be switching places because of either ineptitude of where they currently are or guys like Evan Longoria who we'll talk about in a moment who just need to get the heck out of town because their teams are miserable uh the first guy on the list a lot of teams looking for a pitcher Rich Hill 36 year old veteran journeyman last year pitching in uh, Long Island in the independent league this guy's come out of absolutely nowhere really to for a 2.25 ERA this entire season uh he is pitching in Oakland um not the Raiders the A's they still have a baseball team there. Uh, this guy should and will be traded. Possibly it looks like Boston is interested, but there's plenty of teams that can get this guy, and he's not going to cost a whole lot because he's 36 years old, and you know this could just be a one-year rental where Rich Hill could go back to being Rich Hill next year. So, um, you know, there's that. What about Matt Kemp? What do you feel about him? Oh, I know I, a while ago we talked about possibly the Mets looking at him. Uh, you know he's my first candidate for damn, homie. No. <laughs> But um, he, like I said, he he was the guy back then, and you know he was he was probably one of the most known baseball players. And if he moves, if the if the Mets grab him, fine, I, I'm all for it. But um, not a big deal to me if if they don't, if they pass on him, if he goes elsewhere, good for him. Maybe he needs to change the scenery from the Padres. The Padres going nowhere fast, so. Uh, uh, whatever happens with him, I, I'll be on the lookout for it. Yeah, it's a funny team, those Padres. They've got Drew Pomeranz, who's another guy a little younger than Rich Hill, but uh, a crafty lefty who's bounced around from m- multiple organizations. I think he's only 9-8. He was an all-star, but his ERA is like two two five, and a lot of teams are interested in him. Um, he'll bring back a decent a decent amount in trade. And then you got Will Myers, who who started his, his career – uh, with Kansas City, he was traded to Tampa. Tampa dealt him to San Diego, and now he looks like an MVP. So I don't know if San Diego would trade him. I feel like they can build around a guy like that and possibly build around a Pomeranz. But Matt Kemp, being uh, being in his 30s now, is a guy that, you know, if everything was smart, they would trade him, get what they could for him. And there's plenty of teams that could use, uh, you know, a power-hitting outfielder. He does have 16 homers, 58 RBIs. So, uh, Matt, we hope you get the heck out of San Diego. Not because of the city. The city's beautiful. Weather's amazing, but just because uh, you're not needed on a team like that. Got another Oakland A, Josh Reddick. Uh, he suffered an injury, missed about four to uh, what is that, four or six weeks earlier this year. But in the 41 games he's played, that that's 322. Uh, solid guy, plays both corner outfield positions. Uh, he can kind of do it all. He's got a little bit of speed, solid outfielder. Again, there's there's a there's a lack of of good outfielders in the majors right now. So this guy. Um, He'll be dealt. Uh, I think. I think he'll he'll be dealt before Rich Hill will. Uh, he'll he'll also bring you back a little bit more. And um, Oakland, Oakland's another one of those weird teams. They don't really have much of a much of an identity. So hopefully they can deal him and figure it out. The guy that I definitely hope. For his own sake, is dealt. We talked about him earlier, Evan Longoria. Look, he is Mr. Tampa Bay Ray. He's been there since 2008, uh, but he's got to go. That that Tampa team totally, totally needs to rebuild. They're in the cellar of the uh, the AL East, and and it's a shame because Longo is having a fantastic year. He's got 19 homers, 47 RBIs, and a 290 uh, batting average at the break. Uh, a thir- as far as third basemen go. 
um, almost everyone could use one, including the Mets, including the Yankees. There's there's so many teams. But again, this guy's going to cost you a lot. He is only 30 years old. You're going to have to give up quite a bit, of, uh, you know, to to grab him from the Rays. But it would be a smart move for a team that uh, you know thinks that they can possibly contend this year and for the next few years. Now, what about what about Mo, the guy that you've seen a lot over the past couple of years in the National League East, Mr. Ryan? I look like a bulldog, Howard. What about him? What's going on in Philly? If, if I'm him, I would want to leave because if fans are hurling beer bottles at me, yeah. then I, I just need to go. I know where I'm not wanted, okay? I'm one of those type of people. Yeah, sure. I mean, he, he was he was a slugger in his heyday, and, and of course he's at the end of his career. He gets ripped by Vince Scully. So there's nothing <laughs> left There's nothing left for him uh, to, to stay in Philly for. He might as well just move on. If they trade him, I, I'm sure he wouldn't miss – I mean, he would miss his good times in Philly. Yeah. As far as the recent moments, I'm sure he can do without. Yeah, he's the he's the last of the the dying breed of great Phillies. Uh, Chase Utley gone, Jimmy Rollins gone. Uh, it's time Ryan Howard. They honestly held on to him too long, and I remember a couple of years ago when and he was in his prime when he won his his MVP. Uh, the the trade rumor was uh, him straight up for Albert Pujols when Pujols was with St. Louis, and because Ryan Howard is a St. Louis native, so it turns out both of those contracts are horrendous. But at least Ryan Howard's is up this year. Uh, I don't understand why they don't just uh designate him for assignment when he's only batting a buck buck 55 but maybe that is because he is uh you know he is a philly uh why your own fans would throw beer bottles at you if that's the case don't quite understand but again that's the phillies and we'd have to ask the philly fan who we were unable to get on the show this afternoon so uh you know we'll ask him next time but one another big name i really like uh, he's uh he was an all-star this year carlos gonzalez another team that's totally confused the colorado rockies they do have some nice pieces they have lovely uniforms a lovely shade of purple uh but it's just not enough i mean this guy um he can do it all as well he has he has finally gotten over the injury bug which which Man, knocked about two and a half years off his career. But he's letting it be known that 19 homers, 54 RBIs, and a 9-2-4 on-base plus slugging, he's ready to go. And this guy, it's going to cost him a lot. He uh, He's only in his early 30s. Uh, and, and there was reports last week that he wanted to be traded. And then he came out and said, no, I didn't say that. Uh, well, something's going on. There's a, there's a miscommunication in the Rocky organization. But if I were him, I would plead to get out of Colorado, uh, even though they, they eventually – might do something because of guys like Trevor Story and Nolan Arenado and John Gray, but those, those it's going to be a couple of years before they can contend. And by then, uh, Cargo could be you know driving a car into uh, into his garage and no longer playing. So regardless, Cargo hopefully get traded. And then the last guy is Joey Votto. Um, it's I don't know what happened to Votto. The guy won the MVP in 2010. And he kind of just, like, fell off the face of the map. I know he's in Cincinnati, which, again, there's a theme here. These teams are pretty much kaput. Uh, they've tra- they traded most of their guys. Cincinnati will be more more than likely be trading Jay Bruce, who's been their right fielder for the past, I don't know, seven or eight years. Uh, Brandon Phillips, he was almost traded in the offseason, but he vetoed a trade to the Washington Nationals. That was a mistake. Uh, so Vado is only 32, but he no longer is the slugger that he was. Canadian dude, uh, maybe he gets a trade back to Toronto. Maybe he gets his uh, career rejuvenated. I don't know, but he's making a lot of money, so it'll be interesting. They won't be able to get exactly what he's worth in a trade, but you know, getting him, getting him out of there, not because he's not a good guy, but just because you know, I'm sure with uh, with what they're spending, there's better better pieces in the minor leagues that they could you know put in, let them play every day, and let them let them be you know groomed for the future. You know, one place. I don't know. I don't know the New York Mets, but are you still happy with? Uh, with uh, Mr. James Lonimo as a, as a Mets fan? 
I, I'm fine with it. I, I don't want I don't want any has beens. That's that's okay. Our guys on the downside. It's okay. We're not we're not that poor. Okay, that you're just dumping all of these people on us. You're dumping Matt Kemp on me. I, I, it's not that serious <laughs> of a situation. But I I did want to ask you, yeah. Mr. Yankee editor, about uh, your squad. Mm-hmm. And according to reports. Only two people in that organization, that being Randy Levine and Hal Steinbrenner, think the Yankees can still contend this year while everyone else in the front office feels they should be sellers at the trade deadline. So this has been a this has been a weeks or a month old question. What what should the Yankees do at the trade deadline? Should they contend with, with the squad they have or should they just become sellers and start the rebuilding process? It's hard. As a Yankee fan, you never wanna you never wanna wave the white flag and just give up. Uh, but honestly it. Yeah, I'm starting to wave it. Levine and Steinbrenner, they're still under that old regime of, of the father, of you know, of the great George Steinbrenner that, you know, we're the Yankees, we don't rebuild, we retool. And I'm all for that. But they're not doing that either they're, they think that what they have is enough to contend and it's not um if you're not going to listen to a guy like brian cashman who's been your gm for you know well over 10 years and you're not going to listen to your manager joe girardi who won you a title in 09 then what's the point you know uh, unfortunately we can't fire the owner so uh the, you know this could be the the end for the likes of brian cashman uh joe girardi and whoever else is on the opposite end of the spectrum for guys who feel that it is time to rebuild and if you look at the club up and down yeah more than likely it is there's a lot of aging guys uh there's a lot of guys who are severely overpaid and if you if you read the report and I actually started writing a piece on this earlier uh they um, Cashman wants to wants to deal as, as many as of the guys on the teams he possibly can. I mean, you name it, they want to get rid of it, he, including guys like Andrew Miller, who would bring you back a lot, um, including Mark Teixeira, who pretty much is going to be a free agent at the end of the year. So uh, he would even like to get rid of Jacoby Ellsbury and his his ridiculous con- uh, contract about five years left and you know over a hundred million dollars. Will anybody take that? Probably not. But again, it, it is time. Something needs to be done. Um, it's hard to watch this team at forty four and 44 it's like okay so you played the entire first half of the season for nothing you know where are we going i know we're only seven and a half games out of at a first three and a half games out of a wild card but you got to be realistic when you look at this team and say so even if you get into the one game wild card you're not going to beat anybody they don't have they don't have a a starting pitcher that's going to go out there and dominate. Tanaka's not the guy. He Maybe he's a three. Avoldi's been moved to the bullpen. Severino's still in AAA. Sabathia is back to being the Sabathia of old. Uh, you know, maybe Michael Pineda, but, I mean, come on, really. If you put Michael Pineda as your as your number one starter up against somebody else's number one starter, like a like a Dallas Keuchel in Houston or, or a Felix Hernandez in Seattle, there's no, you, don't, you don't stand a chance. Because even if you give up three runs, the Yankees' ineptitude as far as offense – some games they score seven runs. Some games they score zero. It's too inconsistent, and that's been the that's been the dichotomy of this team, and, and really the mantra: uh, too inconsistent. Too, and Joe, Joe Girardi said it in an interview uh, during the last game before the break. He said, "We're just too inconsistent, uh, and you can't win uh, being an inconsistent ball club." So, I get that. Yankee fans don't want to give up hope. The owners don't want to give up hope because this team is worth $3.4 billion, according to Forbes. Uh, They're the fourth uh, highest-valued franchise in all the world, all the world. So you don't want to hurt the brand by by selling off uh, players and, and, and basically stinking for the next two years or so. But if you have to and you have to rebuild and you bring up these minor leaguers and you clear up enough money to finally go out and get Bryce Harper for half a billion dollars or whatever it's going to cost in 2019, then that's what you have to do. Because, look, as much as Yankee fans don't want to see us lose, you're not going to stop being a Yankee fan because they 
are not going to make the playoffs. It's just not going to happen. So I just hope this. I hope this works out for the best. But I also can see nothing happening, and the and the trade deadline passing, and the Yankees are exactly where they are, and then they got nothing for the guys that they currently have on the roster. And by the end of the year, they are in a worse situation than they currently are because they could lose plenty of guys like an Aroldis Chapman to free agency. Even though you can put you know you can put uh, designation on them that if he signs with somebody else, you get a draft pick. Well, I mean, great. So that's a draft pick that we won't see till the year 2020, 2022. I mean, come on. This is still the Yankees. I'm all for, I'm all for rebuilding, but you also want to, you know, there's got to be a window. Two, three years, we have to contend again. It's New York. It's not the type of city that's going to be okay with contending in, you know, 10, 15 years. just not going to happen. Despair of the Yankees fan. It's, <laughs> it kind of hurts my heart to hear it. Yeah, uh, it's a true you know, story. The Yankees have been good for most of my existence, so to hear it, like this, end like this, or or be like this at the midway point. It's, it's kind of heart wrenching. Yeah, it really is. Well, let's let's transition to most sport, the uh, the hand egg as the British people call it, football, and the unfortunate story of Mister. Goodness gracious, Tom Brady. And I just want to, before I throw the ball to Matt, uh, to, to, to Mo, I have to say there's something I saw during the All-Star game, the baseball All-Star game, and this fool was sitting behind uh, home plate, not only for the home run derby, but for the actual game in seats that must cost, I don't know, 10 grand, wearing a free Brady hat. And with all the issues currently surrounding this world and in this country, you're wearing a free Brady hat. He's not incarcerated, okay? He, he's been suspended for four games, and you're wearing a free Brady hat? Well, you, sir, are an idiot. So, Mo, um, what's the current situation? Is this going to the Supreme Court, and, and uh, should it? Two things, no and no. Okay. First of all, Brady, I know that he's not going to do this because this is his name that's in question. He's not going to give it up. But he's going to serve that suspension. Push, push come to shove, he's going to serve the suspension. He's going to miss four games. Second Circuit Court of Appeals denied it, and now he can go to the Supreme Court, which he probably will, as I said. But they probably won't even hear his case because the Supreme Court has got a lot of yeah. more important things to worry about. The deflated footballs in the NFL. Uh-huh. I mean, you're playing a sport. I understand Brady takes his career seriously, but the Supreme Court doesn't take it as seriously as Brady does. And and again, he's protecting his name. And for whatever reason, he's gonna he's gonna fight this, even though he probably has a one in maybe two hundred chance of, of getting the case heard. But uh, the end note is the Patriots are going to start with Jimmy Garoppolo. We'll get a look at him to see how good he is. And it'll be interesting to see how well he plays because Brady can wind up getting Brady. And as, if you remember, he took over for Drew Bledsoe off of an injury. Different situation, but if Brady's off the field, he knows that a quarterback can step up. And if he's even 75% as good as Brady, Bill Belichick may be thinking, hmm, maybe I don't have to pay Tom for the future. Maybe I could just pay this kid Jimmy Gar- Garoppolo peanuts and we can move on. And we could still be the great Patriots because they still have Rob Gronkowski out there catching footballs. And they do have uh, Martellus Bennett joining him in two tight end sets, which is going to be lethal for that offense. So we'll see how the Garoppolo does with that with that unit. And I'm, and I'm guessing they'll probably start the season two and two, three and one. I do think the Dolphins are a tricky play for them because the Dolphins are going to be much improved with their offense with Adam Gates as the head coach. He's going to get the best out of Ryan Tannehill. We'll talk more about Ryan Tannehill later. But I think the Dolphins are going to be a surprise team this year. But one interesting caveat to this whole story, Bill Simmons, who 
defected from ESPN to sign a contract with HBO. He runs The Ringer. He actually accused Stephen A. Smith of carrying the NFL agenda and an anti-Brady message. Basically, Stephen A. Smith got on Twitter and said, Brady's arrogant and he's selfish for doing all of this. And Bill Simmons interjected and said, well, this is ESPN carrying the NFL's message and, and spreading, you know, hate Brady messages that, that don't need to be. So there's a, there's a minor spat after the Brady incident between Simmons and basically ESPN. He's been on a tear since he left ESPN. I wouldn't say Stephen A. Smith is carrying a message for the NFL, but I think everyone is just exhausted from this whole deflate gate case, and we're just ready to be to be done with it because it happened years ago now. It feels like 10 years ago, but <laughs> it's still in the news. It's still dominating the news because Brady wants to fight it. But, so what's the deal that his lawyers are talking that this could potentially be a, a labor lawsuit or something that uh, it goes against unions because they're, in essence, not allowing him to work? Uh, is this something that it could even be uh, a legitimate uh, platform for a major lawsuit? I, I don't think so, only because it's basically the courts are basically saying that Roger Goodell runs this circus, for better, for lack of a better term. He can he can basically do what he wants. I don't want to say anything he wants, but any type of punishment that he would like to hand out, the offices would like to hand out, it's their company. They can run it how they feel fit, unless they do something that's you know, completely against against law. And I don't see anything that was done that was unlawful besides taking Brady off the schedule for the first four games. Other than that, this is this is Brady's field. This is this is Brady's field. This is Goodell's field. This is his court. And he gets to decide punishment. People can check him on it and, and maybe reduce it. I would say maybe, you know, at the very beginning it would get reduced to two games, but apparently that was not the case. But I'm okay with him serving a four game suspension. I just want this to be over. I am so tired of Tom Brady and his his just everything, his essence, his aura, his his t- paperboy hats that he was wearing with Justin Timberlake at UFC 200 the other day. I don't now that he's yeah. now he's busy going to the, the Democratic or excuse me, the, the Republican National Convention. He's going to support Donald Trump like he's all over the place. And the one place he should be is getting ready for week five against the Cleveland Browns. So. Uh, man, please somebody put an end to this very, very quickly. Uh, let's move on to a little bit uh, more important more important story that's currently going on in the world of the NFL. Uh, Cleveland Browns running back Isaiah Crowell posted a, a, a pretty horrible image. It was a hand-drawn image on Instagram uh, depicting a man dressed in all black with a hood on stabbing a police officer in the throat. Um, I don't know if you saw. I don't know if you saw the uh, the drawing mo, but I did, and it was uh, it was it was really really gory and uh, and, and and unfortunate. Yeah, I, I actually looked up the drawing before I got on air to see what was you know what the whole world was buzzing about, and I actually saw the drawing before before I even knew he posted it. I saw the drawing before, and I thought it was just one of those stupid Facebook memes that people pass around. But apparently, he posted it on his Instagram, I believe. Yeah. And sent shockwaves through the NFL. And uh, the president of the Cleveland's Police Patrol Association, Stephen Loomis, asked Crowell to donate a check to the families that, that were harmed. And he also threatened to pull police presence from First Energy Stadium in Cleveland for the Browns games. Now, two things here. Number one, 
uh, Isaiah Crowell, he he needs to do all he can to mend those fences because there's no there's no room in society for that. If we're gonna if we're gonna come to a solution, we have to be able to listen to each other. And obviously, he responded with anger. Keep in mind that he posted this picture before the police shootings and after the uh, Flando Castile incident. So it was before the police shootings. It wasn't after. So that's number one. But it, it, again, it was still wrong, and he needs to understand, and he needs to keep his feelings in check. He needs to take away the social media. Don't go on social media. No, please, no anti-cop messages. I just, I just want to make that clear. No anti-cop messages should be floating around social media. I read an article where people are actually uh, getting in a lot of trouble for posting anti-cop messages online. You can actually get in a lot of trouble for that. So mm-hmm. just avoid an unnecessary charge or situation. Don't go on social media, please. No anti-police, you know, anti-cop messages because at the end of the day, once they take off the badge, they're also just like us. They're, they're humans just like we are. They have families, they have children, they have parents like anyone else does. As far as Crow's situation, uh, I feel like, I don't feel like he should lose his job. Uh, Loomis is asking for a heavier punishment because he felt the, the apology wasn't genuine. And he also, again, he, he threatened to pull police presence from the stadium, which I think is dangerous because you are punishing, you're, you're lessening security to try to punish one person. I think that's, that's could be as bad as one person acting out against one officer who did something that shouldn't be done. So you can't return. It's, it's not, it shouldn't be an eye for an eye, basically. Don't put everyone else's security in jeopardy because of what one person did. Go at, If you want to go at Crowell and you think he should do more to smoothen over what he did, that's fine. But everyone else there is innocent in this situation, and you don't need to affect them with it. Agreed. Now, he did say he did say that he, Crowell, did say that he would donate his week one check to the Dallas Fallen Officer Foundation, which I think is a good gesture. Mm-hmm. Uh, fans are actually calling for his release, which, again, I think is a little it's a little harsh. If he gets if they were to suspend him, I wouldn't have a problem with it. But you don't need more people without a job. I mean, I'm not I'm not in favor of taking people out of their work, you know, for for for, for things of this nature. Like, again, if you if he donates his checks. I, I'm all for that. If he's suspended for a couple of games without pay, I'm all for that too. But no need to have another another person out without without a job. Now he does need to take account for his actions. He really does, and he, he needs to follow the story to see what else he does. Maybe besides donate a check, maybe another check, or maybe he maybe I suggested that maybe he donate a check and also just see what it's like to be a cop. Maybe yeah. ride around in a cop car and see what they do and see how hard their job is on a daily basis, so that you can get an understanding of what they go through. So again, um, releasing him, I don't think, I don't think it's going to prove anything. If anything, he, he would be unemployed out in the street. If a team is afraid to add him to the roster and who knows what he's going to do without, without money while he's in a situation, you can rehabilitate him and just get him to understand that what he did was wrong which he probably does understand, but understand the cop situation as well. Yeah, it just goes back to, to athletes and celebrities being held to, to a higher higher accord. I mean, you, you have you have the platform, you have the name. I mean, you look at uh, Cleveland.com ran a poll uh, of what, what the team should do with him, and 70% of respondents said that he should face a severe punishment, and almost half of that said he should lose his job. So obviously people are, are you know thoroughly affected by this. I did see the, the video that Isaiah Crowell uh, 
released in response. Uh, he was extremely apologetic. And again, I don't know if he wrote the words that he spoke of or someone did it for him or if he did it himself. But the way that he presented himself was was the fact that he was very upset. He was very he was mad at himself with the for what he did. Uh, and again, uh, you have to give somebody a second chance. That's why it, it's really confusing with the likes of I understand, you know, domestic violence is something totally different but you look at like jose reyes is back and playing for the mets yet ray rice is still home and yet he's being rehabilitated by speaking at the nfl rookie symposiums on exactly what he did and how why people should not uh ever do what he did but no one is yet to really give him a chance in the nfl so you know it's 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 weird it's strange how it all comes out in the wash um you know do i think ray rice should have been suspended sure but again it's his livelihood it's it's what it's a job if if someone did something so so wrong but had a job that wasn't in the spotlight would they be suspended from that job or or would that job even know about it or 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 care so but because he's an nfl player we're all going to know about it so i'm all for punishment i'm all for rehabilitation as well uh there just has to be some kind of uh some kind of something in the middle so if you do if you do rehab yourself you become a better citizen you give back okay we'll let you back in the sport but to be almost blackballed or put on a list where no no way nobody better sign ray rice ever again that seems a little a little off to me and i i don't think that's that's really good for him as a human being yeah, again, I'm not I'm not all for people losing their jobs and I feel like anytime something happens, the first thing we look to is, oh, this person should lose their lose their job. And I'm just not on board with having especially, you know, these players they have families too. And I understand adults need to understand right and wrong, what they should be doing and what they shouldn't be doing on social media. But how do we make the world better with more people unemployed? That that's my thing. We we already have a situation where people want jobs and you know, money, it, inflation, and stuff like that. People need more money. People should be paid more. They people even spoke about cops being underpaid, so they know how it feels to 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 struggle. Even though they have a tough job, and NFL NFL football players don't necessarily have a tough job, but they do put their their lives on the line, their careers on the line every day they step on the field. So it's not a cakewalk either. It's not a desk job, but it is a privilege to be a small percentage of players to play a sport for a living. But again, I'm just not in favor of just throwing a person out, and I think we, in a society we're quick to find the negatives and then just bury a person. And then when you once you bury a person, it's hard for that person to dig themselves out, and you don't you want more functioning people in society. You don't want more dysfunction. All right, Mo, I got a question for you now. Follow me, all right? Let's sure. say let's say you and I out in the club popping bottles, doing big things. We just got hired by you know the biggest sports network in the world, whatever. And you know we're just we're just hanging out, we're just having a good time, minding our business. Maybe we got some peoples with us. Uh, and somebody comes up in your face and they're talking smack and they're saying, "Yo, yo, 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 you five foot, you five foot nothing, son. You don't sound like nothing on the radio." And what happens if you? Pull your hand back and slap the crap out of that person in the face. Should you be arrested? Uh, yeah, probably I should be arrested because that's that's called simple assault. If you if you're familiar with the penal code, that's you can't just slap people, even if they say something. Sticks and stones may break my, my bones, but words never hurt me. Remember? Well, I mean, so, right? I agree. Someone should have told that to Draymond Green because uh, in the next five days, Draymond's up for uh, it's going to be up for arraignment. He he did exactly what I just said: slapped a taunting fan in a nightclub in East Lansing. And Magic Johnson was quick to come to his aid and say he's a wonderful person and he doesn't 
do things like this. Um, I don't know why Magic Johnson needed to be a character witness when he wasn't there, but he was. But again, um, a knucklehead doing a knuckleheaded thing. Uh, I don't quite understand. We do know that, you know, we do know that Draymond likes to get lit from time to time. I wasn't there. I'm not saying he was. But, uh, but yeah, just somebody's got to be in control of a situation like that. If you're having a good time, somebody's got to be the DD or the uh, the person who stops you from slapping uh, somebody silly because now I know more negative press. Now he's got to apologize. Now he's you know he's got to, definitely going to serve uh, probation, a fine. Uh, he probably he probably lost a fan. So I don't know. It's just not good. It's just more instances of uh, of basketball players or celebrities or whatever you want to call them acting out and uh, doing bad things. There is some gray area here because uh, the Broncos wide receiver Benny Fowler said that it was just a slap, but uh, the person that supposedly Draymond Green slapped uh, Jermaine Edmondson, who's also a Michigan State player for the football team, he's a cornerback, he said that it was an actual punch to the jaw. So there are there's some discrepancy there, whether he punched him in the jaw or he's open hand slapped him. Whatever it is, Draymond Green needs to keep his hands off people no matter what they say, but they did say that he had a little drink, so that might have influenced the situation a little bit, maybe a lot, but Draymond did say he has to learn from the situation. Uh, I, again, people comparing to Dennis Rodman, I don't think he's on that level. I think he's just volatile, and most people, I shouldn't say most, but a lot of people are volatile once they have alcohol in their system, but when he once he goes out, he needs to have a group with him that's going to restrain him. Yeah. And that escalate the situation. We gonna win the championship? Yep. LeBron didn't win the championship? Nope. <laughs> I mean, yeah, he, he should have been like, nope, when the guy, nope. you know, was in his face. But uh, again, yeah, said he learned some this. Yeah. The Golden State Warriors will have a, a, a championship team next year. He doesn't need to screw this up. He is facing a possible uh, punishment of 93 days in jail with a $500 fine. I'm sure the $500 fine doesn't doesn't hurt. Nope. But he is expected to participate in the Olympics, so his, his attorney had them expedite the, the whole judicial process, and I believe he's going to have a hearing on July 21st instead of August 4th, so there's that. He, he's confident that this gets resolved pretty quickly. I hope it does, because I don't want to see this dragged out. Again, this is this is a situation that we need to avoid with celebrities, NBA players, athletes just going out and feeling like they're bigger than everyone else. Draymond Green had a moment. Again, alcohol probably played a factor into this, but hopefully he learns from this. But um, we're going to go back into uh, the serious situation that we talked about with Crowell in a, different, in a different league. The WNBA is actually in the spotlight. The Minnesota Lynx took a stand. And Maya Moore, I'm not sure if many have heard of her, but she was well-known in Connecticut, one of the best players in the WNBA. The Minnesota Lynx have actually won three of the last five WNBA finals. So they're like the San Antonio Spurs of the WNBA. But their most notable players came out in warm-ups, and they wore T-shirts that read... And I quote, change starts with us, justice and accountability. And on the and on the back, it said it had Flando Castillo and Alton Sterling's names, along with Black Lives Matter and a Dallas Police Department emblem. Now, the way I look at it as I look at this situation as they were supporting both sides. They had sympathy for Castillo's family and Sterling's family, but they also had the, the Dallas Police Department emblem on the back, which means they're saying... Okay, we all have to take account for our for our actions and our situations, not just the police, not just us as civilians, but both sides. But uh, the police department didn't take too kindly to it. Four off-duty officers walked off the job, 
And it kind of reminds me of when the NYPD turned their backs on Bill de Blasio at a cop's funeral. Two cops were shot execution style, um, maybe 15 minutes from where I live, and they had they had a funeral. And basically, de Blasio said that he told his son, Dante, who is who is biracial, about how to deal with, with the cops. And, and NYPD didn't take too kindly, and they felt like de Blasio had blood on his hands for that. So back to the situation in the WNBA, these off-duty officers felt that maybe the Minnesota Lynx message was too strong and they didn't take too kindly for it and they have a right to walk off if they want. But what I what I will caution people to say is uh, look at the full message. And I think people uh, misinterpret Black Lives Matter. I have my own interpretation of Black Lives Matter that I won't share on air, but um, I think people take Black Lives Matter too literal as to say only Black Lives Matter. And I just want to make clear, I don't... I don't believe that's the message that only Black Lives Matter. Because then you hear people say, "Well, all lives matter because all lives should matter." And we under and I think I should say we because I'm not part of Black Lives Matter. Let's make that clear. But I think BLM feels they they understand we all understand all lives matter. But because they feel like Black lives have not mattered in certain people's eyes, that they need to put that in the spotlight, like Black Lives Matter. And I think people on the outside interpret it as. This is exclusive as black lives mean more than other people's lives. And I think people need to understand that that is not the case. It's just it's just a point of saying we feel that our lives don't matter as much as other people. So we need to put this message up there to say they actually do matter. And I think uh, that's part of the reason these officers may have uh, walked off their job. But again, this is interesting because... I wonder what the reaction would be if LeBron James and the Cleveland Cavaliers had done this. Let's say... You know, opening game, the Warriors or the Cavs, or on Christmas Day when everyone's watching players come out with a Black Lives Matter shirt, what would the reaction of the officers be? But because this is the WNBA and they don't have that much pull in society and people care a lot less about the WNBA than the NBA, cops feel like, oh, we, we could treat them a certain type of way. And I don't mean that in a derogatory way that the cops should have reacted differently, but a cop was quoted as saying, well, their their attendance is pretty much pathetic and this is a quote he said their attendance is pretty much pathetic and i i find that as a shot that it shouldn't matter i mean people are there i believe over seven thousand people were there if you're gonna if you're gonna if you're gonna take a shot i don't think you should take a shot at innocent folks this goes back to my crowell philosophy that you shouldn't punish a whole group or thousands of people for the actions of a few if you don't agree with them. Now, if they cops had pulled them aside and had a conversation with them, that would have been cool too because we need more communication. But again, these are off-duty officers. They they volunteered their, you know, their lives and their time to do the shop. They had a right to walk off. But in this society, we need more talking, more communication, more dialogue, less less people given the silent treatment. I mean, if you're in a relationship and you have a problem with your girlfriend or your boyfriend, you want to talk it out, right? You don't want you don't want to get the silent treatment because the silent treatment solves absolutely nothing. Wiser words were never were spoken. Well, that is it for Open Mike. We're going to be right back with Building Momentum. We're going to talk uh, another wild rumor in the NBA. We're going to talk a little Chad Ocho Cinco and some other surprise additions. We'll be right back. <laughs> It's now time for Building Momentum. Is it possible that another team in the Western Conference is looking to shake it up? 
Well, if reports are correct out of Boston and the Sporting News' is Sean Devini, it looks like that very well might be happening. Mo, what's the deal with my man Blake Griffin? Your man Blake Griffin might be traded to the Boston Celtics. Apparently, no! the Boston Celtics, Danny Ainge and his guys, they're still trying to cook up a trade. For a star player, as you know, they already signed Al Hoffer, so they're trying to build a, a championship team. They need, they obviously need more parts, and they're eyeing Blake Griffin. A lot of people had Russell Westbrook tied to the Celtics, but Russell Westbrook's agent rep hasn't said anything about teams inquiring for a trade as of yet. We don't know what OKC Thunder president Sam Presti is going to do, but right now Blake Griffin seems to be the target for the Boston Celtics. That would that would form a pretty strong front court with Blake Griffin. And Al Horford in the front court. Uh, Rudy Gay is actually being shot by the Kings. He didn't request a trade. There were reports out from the Sacramento Bee that he requested the trade, and now there are conflicting reports that said no, the Kings were just willing to shop him. So he would go to the Clippers. The Celtics would get Blake Griffin, and the Kings would probably wind up with a bunch of future draft picks. But the Celtics are not willing to part with Brooklyn's draft pick, who they who they'll have uh, for the next I think couple of years. It's probably going to be a high pick because. Let's be honest, the Nets aren't going to be a good team anytime soon. So the Celtics obviously want to hold on to that potential high pick and still fire Blake Griffin. We'll see how that works out. Oh, I'm sorry. Did Rudy Gay find a DeLorean and go back in time and become the Rudy Gay of Connecticut? Because why in the world would the Clippers trade Blake Griffin for Rudy Gay? What 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 kind of sense does that make? Uh, I, I have no idea, but Rudy Gay has been a guy who can scroll out of buckets. He just, uh, for whatever reason, whatever team he goes to, they just go in the toilet. I don't know. I don't know what's up with that. I mean, he, you know, back in his previous stops, things weren't that good. And the Kings aren't that good, but not because of Rudy Gay for multiple reasons. Their front office is a mess anyway. But if you're, if you're, if you're the Clippers, I, I don't do this trade either. I don't give up Blake Griffin for Rudy Gay, no. but I feel like they, they've been contemplating moving Blake Griffin since the season with his, uh, he had an incident where I believe he punched his friend who's also, who also works with the organization. And they want a guy who's going to be on the court and responsible, and at least Rudy Gay is that. It's not going to give you any off-court trouble. But, uh, I, again, if, if I'm the Clippers, I don't make the move. From the record, Doc Rivers said he's reluctant to trade Blake Griffin. He's not really on board with just shopping him out there. But it'll have to be a really good deal for them to move their, their star forward. Yeah, if I'm trading Blake, I want one of those picks from uh, from Boston, and, and, I wanna, and I want a player. I mean, it, for Blake Griffin, when healthy, he's a superstar. I mean, what, do, what, are, they, what are they doing? Chris Paul's 31. He's not getting any younger. If this team it, it thinks that they're going to contend, they better contend really, really soon. Otherwise, you know, they're going to miss their window. So I'm just totally confused. And then Boston... Boston, if you want something, you need to trade something in return. Like, okay, I'm going to keep all the picks I want, and I want Blake Griffin. So what are you giving up? What what could they possibly give up for, for a guy like Blake Griffin? Is someone going to take uh, – Jaron Sullinger is gone. Evan Turner is gone. Who do they even have left? Cody Zeller? Uh, Tyler Zeller? Jay Crowder. Yeah, like they're not going to – they wouldn't. They didn't want to trade them last year, so why would they give up them? I mean, if you get Westbrook, maybe, but – Come on, I think Danny Ainge is just, you know, he's pulling pulling straws right now and he's just hoping that he gets the long one because he's he's not really being serious. He had all these draft picks this year and he didn't do anything with them. He he, he didn't package them for a trade. He he uh, he actually drafted uh, a guy that nobody could understand wasn't a Jalen Brown uh, out of Cal. So I I don't I don't 
when you were a kid, you never had a dartboard and just threw darts and just see what stick to the board. Yeah, like, but I, what, I don't get—I don't get paid millions of dollars to throw darts at a board and hope for the best, like Danny Ainge does. He's really—if you're a Boston fan, you got to be totally confused by this guy. Because yes, your team played better this year, but you haven't got—I mean, you got Al Horford, but it's—you haven't made a, a huge increase. And in, in how many more wins you're gonna get next year? What I don't know his I don't know how many replacement wins he's worth, but I would say maybe Horford four, five, which you know maybe gets you another spot higher in the East, but it's not good enough to contend with the top in the East right now. So uh, I don't know, really confused. But I do like what the Knicks are doing. We saw they made plenty of moves. Joe Kim Noah is ecstatic to be in the Garden. Uh, quote: He said, "Definitely, there's a buzz in the city. I think I think it's on us to make it work." Uh, winning in the garden, I'm not going to get a feeling like that anywhere else. I'm just here to get uh, to be happy. I want to be an animal. I want to make the city proud. Well, that's what we want, Joe Kim. Be a troll, be nasty, be mean. Grab those boards, put a couple shots in, in the hoop, and, and make this team one to be reckoned with because it hasn't been that way in so, so many years. People... Well, I should say people. Knicks fans miss the Charles Oakley. Oh, yeah. It made some days so bad when they had guys who bang in the paint. And, you know, Joe Kim Noah is that type of guy. Maybe not as physical, as physically built as those two guys, but he's going to give uh, opponents trouble down low. And you would hope that he can stay healthy enough to do it because, as I said before, last week's podcast episode, he only played 29 games last year. So he's got to be healthy enough to do all those things because trolling from the bench is not going to help <laughs> No, he's clearly very well rested. Uh, and for a guy like 31, that's not such a bad thing. I mean, you know, uh, and it was cool. He said, you know, as far as Anthony Mason, Marcus Camby, Ewing and Oakley, he said, I had their jerseys. I had those guys as pictures on my wall. Like Mo said, uh, you know, they won. They wanted to win a championship. He wants to win a championship. And he loves the fact that when even a guy like Latrell Sprewell still walks down the streets of New York, that he gets love from everybody that he that he interacts with. And that's what Noah wants. Well, uh, New York is a fickle beast. They're, they love you right now. But if you if you struggle and your record is not on the winning side of it, they're not going to love you. So uh, do your thing, Noah. You look good in practice last week. We like what we see. We really do. Yeah, we do. Uh, Adam Silver really doesn't like what he sees nope. in uh, super teams forming. Uh, he spoke out. He said it's basically it's bad for the sport, and which I expected him to say. Of course, you don't want only two to five teams with a chance. I would maybe say two to four teams with the actual chance of winning an NBA title. You want parity. You want fans to watch with an actual hope that their team goes to the finals and wins. But that just that just isn't the way things are right now. Players have a lot of power where they can talk in, in, in the offseason and say, hey, you want to go here? We can go there and form a super team. Players have a lot of power, and I think it's good that they have that. But for team for fans who are fans of teams that are not at the top of the, at the whole echelon, then it's it's not so good. Like if you're if you're a I guess if you're a Brooklyn Nets fan, if you're a Toronto Raptors fan, if you're a if you're a Clippers fan, if you're a Portland Trailblazers fan, if you're just kind of like right there, and exclude the Nets from being like right there because they're at the bottom. But if you're like right there and you have a good team but not a great team, you're pretty frustrated because you know you don't you just one piece away, you're just one player away from contending, and it's just not going to happen. But to Adam Silver's point, then I guess you need to you need to tweak things because as long as players have the freedom to talk in the off season, and as long as the cap continues to rise. You're gonna have these super teams form form one great team and and just run for a title because as fans we ridicule players who don't win the big ones. So this is this is the result. We we've kind of created this monster that the NBA has on its hands right now. 
But what what are you supposed to do to to stop players from from forming these super teams? Because you've given you've given teams the the ability to re-sign players for max deals, and it's not it's not enough because Durant could have gotten fifty million dollars more by staying in OKC, but he left it on the table because it's not really with with endorsement deals. It's not about the money when it comes to your your contract because you're not going to make as much as you will from Nike. So so what what could be a possibility that stops us from going to a lockout because if everything keeps going the way it is, there's going to be a lockout come come next summer. I mean, the owners are going to get what they want and the players are, they're going to lose a lot of their rights. Someone said this and I, I believe <sighs> I believe it was Bomani on ESPN. He said this. He said, if anything changes, for the starters, if anything changes in the NBA, it's because the owners want it to change. The players are not going to push anything. Either. You know, the team managers are not going to push. It has to come from the owners who have all the power. Because it, if the NBA, let's say the NBA has a hard cap, because right now there's a soft cap. I mean, you can go over the cap, they luxury tax, whatever. Maybe maybe you tinker with that a little bit. Tighten the salary cap. I don't. I don't know. It won't probably matter once the cap goes up again next year because teams will just have more money to spend on good players. It, it's, just, it's just that much you can really do. The NBA is a star-driven league. All you need really is maybe two, three good players, and you're and you're set. Now we've gotten over the whole you need to be in a big market to win thing. Now you have to figure out okay, how do we split this up? And and I think Adam Silver just needs to if he really wants to stop super teams from forming, he would just have to look on it, look at it on a case by case basis, which is a very slippery slope because you don't want to start rejecting moves for free agents. Remember, these are unrestricted free agents. It's not like you're rejecting a trade like the CP3 trade to the Lakers years ago. These are free agents who have liberty to sign wherever they want to sign. So there's no way you can really legislate that if a team has enough money it's just nothing you can do about that i say we take every player in the nba we rank them from one to 400 and whatever how many players there are and you're only allowed to have uh three players in each category so your superstars are from like one to 20 you can only have one of those then you're like next tier which like your your draymond greens you can only have like two of those and so on what do you think mo you think like we do total anarchy in the nba and tell you exactly what you can have yes because then who's who's deciding these rankings you are and the me deciding, you, the yeah deciding? yeah you know what well it, yeah that's the thing if it's a is it a is it a player driven league is it a, is it an owner driven league or is it a fan driven league like that that's what needs to be decided because if it's a fan driven league like we continue to give fans the power of all street games then let them choose because then nobody can complain well oh my team only has one superstar well the voting came out in the wash i think that would probably be the easiest way or, or the most the most democratic but more than likely uh the players would have to have their say at, or the or the owners would want their say and then eventually we're gonna have a lockout so i don't, I don't think that there's any amicable way to to avoid what is coming and it's unfortunate that we're talking all these great salaries that are being thrown around this year but next year it could be off or not because we could we could have no 2017-18 season at all and it's like again look at all the progress that the nba has made since their last lockout it could all be for nothing Two things, Mike. In our democratic society where we vote for our president, mm-hmm. are people usually happy after the majority <laughs> vote comes in? So there's no way. We can't even be happy about a president out of two candidates. There's True. no way you're going to be able to rank all these NBA players and everyone's completely happy. People are going to say, well, no, Kevin Durant is better than Stephen Curry. Then you'll have Stephen Curry fans. Fans are too fan-driven 
to be objective for the most part. That's number one. So you cannot put this in the hands of fans. Number two, I feel like owners owners put these power plays all the time. The players are doing it just what owners do behind closed doors. Just we don't hear about it. When they work their business deals and they go to these closed door meetings, they pull power plays all the time. Collusion, having backdoor deals and stuff like that. And the players are doing the same thing. They discover the power that they have and they're using it. So I don't have a problem with it. I'm a Knicks fan and I know the Knicks probably don't have a chance of winning the title next year. But I don't watch it for, okay, I'm oh, it's a super team, I'm not gonna watch. But I like to see I like to see the Knicks do well at least. Do I do I think they have a chance? No. But I just like to see the Knicks do well. If they could just contend, then maybe we could pull another superstar rank because say, okay, the Knicks were third or fourth in the Eastern Conference this year. Maybe a player says, okay, I'll join that team and put them over the hump. That's the way I think about it, but apparently fans are saying, oh, I'm not going to watch because Golden State's going to win, which I think is garbage because everyone's going to watch. Garbaggio. Well, before we get to our last topic, uh, I just want to pat myself on the back real quick. It looks like Drew Pomeranz, who, if I'm not mistaken, we were just talking about about 15 minutes ago, was just traded from the San Diego Padres to the dreaded Boston Red Sox. Why um, they have to be dreaded? Because they just are. They're terrible people. Um, they uh, <laughs> they acquire another left-handed pitcher. That gives them three starters potentially in the rotation. Uh, David Price and his ginormous ERA, Eduardo Rodriguez, and now Pomeranz. Uh, Boston did give up a, a big-time pitching prospect. I'm looking for his name. Uh, I cannot find it because the internet is terrible. Uh, Anderson Espinoza. Uh, he is going to be headed to San Diego. So the rebuild in San Diego begins. Next up could be could be most favorite player, Matt Kemp, or it could be my favorite player, Will Myers. Regardless, let's talk about a little bit more football and how easy it is to get a job these days. You don't need to go out and fill out employment applications. You don't need to, you know, know somebody. You just got to send out a tweet. So, Mo, how did Chad Ochocinco Johnson, how did he get a job as a wide receivers coach with the uh, newly improved <laughs> Cleveland Browns? Apparently, he just inquired about it. And he basically, this started back in March. He inquired about being a, a wide receivers coach for the Cleveland Browns, which I think is weird because if you remember Chad Ochocinco, he played a lot of his career with the Cincinnati Bengals. So why didn't you go to the Bengals first instead of the Crosstown rivals the cleveland whatever but anyway he has a job now with cleveland browns he's going to be teaching the wide receivers how to catch because cleveland browns wide receivers have been terrible for the past few years they have a new quarterback in town robert griffin the third he's gonna be throwing passes to to a rookie and a bunch of players that most people would not be familiar with so uh he's 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 gonna fulfill his his duties there and i think i think he's good there because players they say respect him and he, he was a pretty good wide receiver. I wouldn't go Hall of Fame worthy. But he's a pretty good wide receiver in his heyday. And I think he'll help the Browns out. Browns need a lot of help, as we all know. So uh, good luck to Chad Ochocinco on that. Yeah, I guess he was, from back in his Cincinnati days, was a, a, a good friend of Hugh Jackson, who used way back when used to be a coach with uh, the Bengals. So uh, there is that relationship there. But, yeah, good for Chad. I don't know if he is the greatest route runner in the history of NFL like he calls himself. But uh, you know what? Hey, uh, it's a guy that burned a lot of bridges with his mouth. And, you know, maybe this is his uh, repentance. Maybe this is where he can come and, and do some good. Uh, and hopefully he doesn't think that he can strap on some pads, you know, if there's an injury to uh, one of the Cleveland receivers, which I can't even name one. Uh, does Terrell Pryor still play there? 
Yeah, he okay. <laughs> he actually. You know what? I'll say this: Laura would love that because she's a huge Terrell Pryor fan. So kudos to you for hitting that one Thank on the you. nail. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's a again. She she loves her Ohio State people, so she would like to see Terrell Pryor uh, blossom. But I don't think he's gonna do that great. Sorry, Laura. I think he's probably maybe the fourth or fifth best receiver on that team, yeah. even though a lot of names you won't be familiar with. Corey Coleman from Baylor is going to be their number one wide receiver. He's transitioning from a spread offense to an NFL pro offense, so that that transition is going to be uh, very significant for him. That Chad Johnson work with him. Then you got Andrew Hawkins, who's basically a slot receiver. You got Marlon Moore, who no one knows. You got Ricardo. You got Ricardo Lewis, who's also a rookie. Rashard Higgins, who I really like from Colorado State, who I think is going to be the number two wide receiver on that team. And as you previously spoke, uh, there's Terrell Pryor, and he again he transitioned from quarterback to wide receiver. Very athletic guy. He works hard. I was I'm semi familiar with him because he played with the Raiders. Didn't get a lot of chances, and this is why. Laura, our, our friend in Indiana, hates Laura. the Raiders because they basically gave up on him for Matt McGloin. But that's a whole other story. Whole other story. Uh, <laughs> let's see what the Cleveland Browns do. I'm rooting for Robert Griffin III to, to rehabilitate his career there. I just don't yeah. see how with the weapons that they have. They, they still they need a little bit more offense. You have Isaiah Crowell, who's in hot water. Duke Johnson has a supposedly a promising career ahead of him. We'll see what Corey Coleman does. I, I like his chances, but he's going to have to make that transition from college to the pros. But on to a player who's looking to join Mo Money Mo Buckets, and that's Von Miller. Uh, the current offer for Von Miller is at 114 million, three years guaranteed at 61 million. But he's still kind of like iffy. Eh, I don't know if I should sign or not with the team. Talks are pretty quiet. Apparently, Von Miller is just trying to see the Denver Broncos sweat. Depending on who you ask from the Denver Post or whatever uh, local paper is in Denver, there are varying opinions whether Von Miller will sign or not. I would say it's 50-50. Some people say Von Miller, uh, they don't think a deal will get done because the, the deadline to strike a long-term deal with franchi- franchise tag players is tomorrow at, at 4 p.m. Eastern time. At that point, if no deal is struck, then the player has to play the year on the franchise tag. But Von Miller says he is not going to play the year on the franchise tag. So basically, he's threatening to sit out the whole season if he doesn't get a long-term deal, which should scare the living crap out of Broncos fans <laughs> because if he sits out, the Raiders will have the best defense in that division because DeMarcus Webb already has back issues and Denver Broncos front office has already said they're worried about DeMarcus Ware's condition heading into another season. I mean, he's in double digits as far as years in the NFL. He had back issues last year. That could be a problem, especially without Von Miller. They do have Shane Ray, a former first-round pick, a couple years ago, but you, you don't have Von Miller and then you have DeMarcus Ware with back issues. And a little dicey. And then you got Sanchez coming in as your quarterback. Uh, I don't know. Not a good offseason for, J- for John Elway. He lost his quarterback. Could lose his best pass rusher. Don't you dare talk bad about John Elway. He's a saint. Uh, he is a saint. Anyway. Yeah. Um, um, and that's Baltimore Colts how they feel about John Elway. Ha ha. Um... But to be honest with you, can you imagine no Von Miller and and Trevor Simeon is your starting quarterback? Because according to the reports, he looks a lot better than Sanchez. Uh, I don't know. I I mean, I know this team, you know, played last year without much of a quarterback, although I think Brock Eisweiler was a lot better than most people, um, you know, thought he was. Really? You're giving kudos over your boy, Peyton Manning? Well, I'm also not blind. I saw Peyton's noodle arm, yeah, for a lot of the season, so... 
Yeah. I just wanted to, you, so you so you saw the ramen noodle arm that he was throwing with that. Personally, I love a beef flavored ramen noodle, so I don't know what the problem is right now. But yes, I'm more of a shrimp guy. But <laughs> of course you are. Bam, 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 bam. But yeah, I see Paxton Lynch coming in in week four when this team is zero and four. Uh, and if uh, it's zero and four, this team could go zero and sixteen if uh, if uh, Von Miller actually sits out. But I uh, hopefully not. I want to see him play opening night against Carolina, uh, that Thursday night game. I want to see it actually be a game, regardless of who's the quarterback. It probably will be Sanchez, but you know, Mister Bud Fumble, we know what he's what he's capable of uh, being being here in New York. Sanchez is going to be the comeback player of the year, okay? That's number one. Number two, Matt. this is interesting. This is interesting because players are now trying to exercise their power. Von Miller said he can solve the franchise tag situation because players absolutely hate the franchise tag because it gives them no long-term security. It gives the team all the leverage because if a player gets hurt while he's on a franchise tag, then they say, oh, well, we shouldn't, we're not going to pay you a long-term deal because you got hurt last year. We can't depend on you. We're not either. We're not going to give you a long-term deal or we're going to give you a long-term deal and I give you as much guaranteed cash. So that's why Bob Miller is leveraging for power here. And I think it's a power struggle between the organization and the player. And I think the player is going to win this because if Bob Miller sits out and he becomes an unrestricted free agent, there will be a ton of teams to line up to sign him. So the, the Broncos, John Elway, your boy, you better dig deep in his purse and pay the guy or, or possibly lose that AFC West title to the Raiders. First of all, it's a satchel. So, you know, take it back. And, uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. He needs to. He, he really does. But that is it for building momentum. I got to get I got to get a segment named after myself because open mic. I mean, I mean, it's just I mean, it's OK, but it's not building you, momentum. You want two segments named after you? Is that is that where we're going? Uh, yeah. Uh, but, you know. uh, talk about pompous and arrogant. You and Tom Brady. the same. Uh, hey, if I'm going to get me a paperboy hat and I'm going to hang out with him, Julian Edelman, who uh, if you know anything about him is a, is a creep. <laughs> is a creep with his relationship and uh just justin timberlake so uh too bad we didn't have enough time for julian edelman and his really weird fascination with tom brady but maybe next week anyway we're gonna talk we're gonna come back with uh with the closeout with the wrap-up we're gonna talk about um beetlejuice herself we're gonna talk about uh fan bases and why Mo, mo's favorite team's fan base is at the bottom of the list we'll be right back The wrap up. I value my life, so I'm not going to talk about this person, but I'll let Mike talk about this person. Apparently, this person had a rant on Twitter about the Dolphins fan base. Again, I didn't say it. This person said it, and Mike has a comment on it. So go ahead. I am scared. I am scared, and I, and I live in my I live in in Florida, and she lives in Tampa now. Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice. I ain't scared of her. I ain't scared of Miko Grimes. What kind of name is Miko anyway? What kind of name is Miko? You sound like a fish. Your first name sounds like a fish. Miko my Fish apologies, Miko Grimes. Grimes. Okay. I'm going to stand up. I'm going to stand up for everybody that Miko Grimes has ever assaulted verbally. And you know what? She needs to go like on Celebrity Deathmatch. Remember that thing back in the day on like uh, NTV? Where I had to, oh, I loved it. She needs to get that taken care of uh she took to twitter again because that's all she's good at uh and she decided to rip people again because she has too much time in her hands um and let's see who she attacked let's go over the tweets okay um 
And she's she, and we were kind of all over the board. She even attacked my man Kobe Bryant. So I'm just kind of like, what? Okay, so her first tweet was, Kobe's fans are different. They remind me of Ryan Tannehill fans. Both are super stupid. But at least Kobe was a baller. Tannehill is a bum. So Kobe Bryant, your you your fans are stupid. Why? Because he won uh, a ton of rings, was an MVP more times than you can count to, and is one of the all-time greatest NBA players that makes somebody stupid for liking him? No, because Kobe Bryant fans will stick up for Kobe Bryant no matter what he does. Kobe Bryant tomorrow went to a store and stole some cupcakes off the counter. People will say, well, it's Kobe Bryant. Gotta let it go. It's Kobe. Okay. Gotta let him have the cupcakes. Maybe he was hungry. All right, so he's a millionaire. He's Kobe Bryant. So Mo, agree, Mo agrees with Miko Grimes. Just everybody. I'm with Miko. I got your back. Wow. Wow. Okay. Um. You know. Secondly, uh, she then goes on to say, being a Tannehill fan is like being an Eric Snow fan when Iverson was on the team. I don't get it. He doesn't do anything. Capital letters. Dope. Nothing. So Eric Snow, you too, sir have been thrown under the Miko Grimes wave of disaster. You gotta admit, it was creative and funny. Don't you think it was a little bit creative and funny? A little bit. Didn't you chuckle when you first read that? No, as soon as I saw Miko Grimes, the fire of hell started to raise up from above because this woman is the spawn of Satan. Oh, God. Yeah, moving on. Um, she says, speaking on her husband, who has no testicles, now he's happy again. He can't wait to play. He has hope, exclamation point. He has a real GM. I wonder if she actually knows what GM stands for. Um, a real owner. A real QB. QB. Okay. Anything is possible. You know what's also possible? Your husband gets cut before he even puts on the pads uh, for the first game of the season. Because what? you are a train wreck. Choo-choo. Why are we hating? Okay, number one, Brett Grimes is going to be the number one cornerback on that team. That's a problem in itself. That's a problem in itself. Vernon Hargraves is going to have to learn from this guy because they're both kind of undersized. So Vernon Hargraves better be learning from Brent Grimes, number one. One thing I'll disagree with Miko on is uh, you have a real GM that, yeah, fired Lovey Smith after like two seasons prematurely. So I would worry about that. Number three, I would... Am I up to number three? I don't know. Um, but anyway, yeah, who sure. cares? Yeah. Um, yes. Number three, I think the Dolphins will do better than the Buccaneers. So yeah. Grimes might be taken to Twitter a lot more in the other Exactly. Opponents. All right. And then the last one, the last tweet, the dumbest tweet of all, um, the tweet that puts her in a category with so many idiots out there currently on the world of social media. Uh, speaking about uh, the owner the owner of the Miami Dolphins, the man that paid her husband handsomely for more years than he should have. Uh, he should have. Uh, says, gotta respect Ross, the owner of the Dolphins, for, keep, for keeping his Jew buddies employed, but did not see how Tannenbaum, which is spelled wrong, put the Jets in the dumpster with that Sanchez deal. Uh, ma'am, why do you feel it's necessary to say someone is a Jew? Even if they are, you should know better that it's not right to call anybody names that... I mean, I'm trying to be politically correct as, as I possibly can right now. Um, I bet she has about 0.0% of Jewish friends. I bet she has about 0.0% of friends, period. But that's besides the point. So you you ripped you ripped Ross. You ripped... I just want to just want to go down the to go down every Kobe fan in the world, Eric Snow, 
Mike Tannenbaum, the former GM of the Jets, uh, Sanchez, because he's a dumpster fire. Uh, anybody else I'm missing out? The whole Miami Dolphins organization. My whole, everybody in Miami, because she's in Tampa. You, for, you forgot Eric Snow fans. No, no, no. Oh, yeah, well, his fans. I said, I said Eric Snow. Yeah. All, hey, I liked Eric Snow, number 20 represent. Um, I, I don't... I don't know why I don't know why this woman continues to be allowed to speak. Uh, she there should be a muzzle put on her or some kind of laryngectomy. Uh, something needs to be done because she is just ignorant beyond belief. Her husband needs to just run so far away. I feel that he is a victim of mental abuse, and if it, if so, I reach out. I reach out for you. I, I want I want to give you help. Frank Grimes, because you clearly need it. Uh, so bad. This woman is terrible. She's a terrible person. Now, Mo, let's move on, because you did not help me at all during that. Probably not, because I like to be uh, inclusive, not exclusive, and I, I'm the type of person who likes to rehabilitate people. Yeah, I'm all for that, too, but you know what? At the end of the day, it's like a wounded, it's like a wounded duck. Sometimes you just got to let it go and, you know, see if it crosses the road without being coming roadkill. Uh, let's move on to, to the report that has your Oakland Raiders tied with the Jacksonville Jaguars as the worst fan bases in all of the NFL. Now, give us the details. Tell us the science behind this and tell us why the gentleman who concluded this research is completely wrong. Professor Lewis, who, who he calls this a dynamic fan equity to determine his results, basically. And it's basically based on social equity and if fans spend money on, you know, as a consumer for, for the, you know, for the team that they support. And I, I feel like this is this is way off only because maybe not for the Jaguars, but way off for the Raiders. Because, number one, when you go outside, what is the most common fitted cap snapback you see of all the sports teams? You see Raiders. I mean, it goes back to the NWA days. They made it popular, the whole black and white, black and silver type of thing. Everywhere you go, you see a Raiders hat. And, and right now, fans in Las Vegas are pining for the Raiders to go there. So that's number one. Number two, if you go on social media right now, and you can try this at home if you're in front of a computer, Go on Twitter or Facebook and just type in Derek Carr sucks or Khalil Mack is not going to be the defensive player of the year. And you will get about 25 people in your DMs, in your inbox, saying how much of an idiot you are and, <laughs> and how basically the Raiders are the greatest team ever. You, you, you cannot insult the Raiders online and get away with it. it just, it's just not going to happen. Whether you're in America, Canada, Mexico... Some you know anywhere in Europe, you're not going to insult the Raiders and get away with it. Too many fans out there. I, again, I can go on Twitter right now, type a Raider comment, and I'll get 50 responses from dedicated Raider fans, whether they're at work, with their children, I don't know, at a wedding, bar mitzvah, whatever it is, they will respond. You could speak on this more than I can, but I, I haven't run into too many Jaguars fans, and I can see why maybe they, their results are a little low because this is a team that's been floated around to move to Los Angeles or ship overseas somewhere to play in, you know, in England. So I could see their results being pretty low, but not the Raiders. Not not the below Raiders. Just 
can't happen that way. Yeah, the only thing negative you can say about the Raiders, and, and even that you'll probably defend, is that their stadium is terrible. Uh, I mean, you know. No, it is. Yeah, the fact that they have to play on a baseball field for, I don't know, was it the first four weeks, give or take, of the season. But, yeah, I mean, come on. The Raiders are passionate. The Raiders have been great. They have amazing colors. They, they're on the come up, as are the Jaguars. But I can see the Jaguars being there, uh, you know, because I, I'm in Florida. And, and uh, even though I'm in Central Florida, I see more Dolphin apparel. Uh, and way more buck apparel than I do than I do Jaguars, and and sadly the Jaguars are probably the best team, best Florida team right now in the NFL. Like if the season started today, they're the team that would that should come on come on top of all three of those. Uh, Blake Bortles, we know about their offense, their defense has got a lot going on, but they're in Jacksonville, and they also have a terrible stadium. I know they have the world's largest HD screen, but who gives a crap? Most of their games are actually blacked out in the local market, which I guess is fine if you're in Jacksonville, but uh, yeah. They need to get out of Jacksonville. Uh, their owner needs to, to. I know he he made his fortune as a, like a used car guy. Uh, so you take some of that money and bring him to Orlando. There would be a lot more people that would want to watch him if you want to keep him in Florida. Uh, I would not suggest moving a team to England anytime soon. We've talked about that in, in uh, past podcasts. But there are plenty of places that are just would love and welcome an NFL uh, franchise to their city and would do a whole lot better than Jacksonville in those horrible multicolored helmets. It wouldn't be a full Mike Mo show without Mike trying to get a sports team in Orlando. <laughs> Come on, it I only got, wouldn't be a complete show. I got two. It. I only got two. So I want baseball. Tampa Bay Rays should move. And I want football. Jacksonville Jaguars should move. So why is you it just, asking so much? Just trash the Tampa Bay Rays just like five minutes ago. Well, yeah, right? because, they, dude, that stadium, talk about terrible stadiums. It holds like 17,000 people, and it, it smells like mildew. So, I mean, you need they need a new stadium. And they're not going to get one. Bring them to Orlando. Uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars. Yes, I know that stadium holds like 80,000 people, but it, half of it is, is like is at capacity. So they, they could play at the Citrus Bowl in downtown Orlando or Camping World Stadium, whatever you want to call it. I'm just saying. Get, put the teams in, in a place where people are actually going to come watch them and they'll make money, and they're not on at last place in stupid uh, lists like this guy created. Yeah, absolutely. I, I would I would put in a call to Professor Mike Lewis of this business school and just say, hey, maybe you need to just check into Twitter a little bit. And Because if, if you are measuring social media or social equity, you need to just look at what's going on. Because, again, you cannot walk. You can, walk. You cannot type in five tweets without a Raiders fan interjecting and saying, Derek Carr is the best. Yeah. Kill Max is the best. It, it's just not going to happen. If, and if you follow me on Twitter, you see me all the time replying to Raiders fans and a lot of them are very knowledgeable they're not just your average boneheaded fanatical fans who are irrational some of them are actually pretty knowledgeable and have followed the Raiders for for decades so you got a lot of people who have followed the team through hard times and now as you said they're on the come up along with the Jaguars who are also on the come up and I said this plenty of times on past episodes both teams will play each other this year so it'll be an interesting situation me and Mike will probably be on air, and Mike will probably take the Jaguars, and I'll probably take the Raiders, and the Raiders will probably win, <laughs> and I'll gloat on air for about five minutes. I am now. not a Jaguars fan, first of all, sir. I am not even close. I like Blake Bortles. He went to the same uh, college and high school, actually, as my fiance. so that's pretty cool. Blake Bortles, shout out. Well, what can we get you on the show? Um, but regardless, I just like good offense, and, you know, I, uh, in that division, I think that they can contend. I don't know what's going to happen with Indianapolis and their, their ridiculously high-paid quarterback, who hopefully can stay healthy this year. Uh, I don't. Nobody knows what's going to happen with Houston and all those pieces that they've added, so I think that'll be a really fun division to watch. Um, Oakland? Oakland? 
Oakland, again, a really fun team. Uh, they got a, a lot of great pieces. I would do everything I possibly could to call Marshawn Lynch and plead with him to be the running back this year because he's from Oakland and I don't see Latavius Murray. But you know more than I do when it comes to the Oakland Raiders. So The fans would love that, but I just don't see it happening. I think he's happy where yeah, he is. Yeah, and that's fine. That's... Uh, I, even though him coming to Oakland would have just blew the roof off. I mean, oh, yeah. You know, roof but it would have blew the proverbial roof off the building if he had returned because he's he is still beloved in oakland yeah as, as you may or may not know he played for cal yeah and then uh, you know went to the bills and then went to seattle but oakland raiders would still welcome him with open arms if he decided to change his mind just be careful because a brisk win at that stadium could knock down half of the walls because it's on its <laughs> last legs so be hey, ca- taking a shot be that careful be be, it wouldn't be a mike and mo show if mike didn't take a shot in one of mo's beloved teams let's let's not forget that either of course because i'm the nice guy on the show and mike is is the tyrant yeah just hey you know what you lo- got somebody's got to be loved somebody's got to be hated and somebody's yeah. got to be me so i'm okay yeah. with that miko grimes yeah you, well she, i mean miko grimes miko grimes needs uh she needs a little jesus in her life and she also needs a little bit of tim tebow with that being said though how perfect is tom brady to be representing donald trump yeah they're both liars like so <laughs> like <laughs> like if like if donald trump was a football player he would be tom brady yeah, he would definitely be Tom Brady, you know, cheating to win anything by any means necessary type of guy, taking it to the Supreme Court, being selfish. Yeah, that that's basically Trump in, in, a, in a Tom Brady uh, suit right there. So. I, yeah, just unbelievable. I can't wait for November to find out who's going to lead this this proud nation. Uh, I hope Tom Brady is, is is not playing because there needs to be retribution. I hope Miko Graham gets supported. I hope a lot of good things happen for everyone. With that being said, uh, I just want to drop a shout out to my sister Lauren. Um, you can be found on now on iTunes. She can be found on Spotify. She can be found on Google Music. Uh, her debut single dropped. Uh, what if the DJ? So go to go to Lauren Music L R E N Music Check it out. It's ninety nine cents. It's amazing. Uh, she's gonna be. Um, shooting a video soon that i may or may not be directing we'll see so uh give her a shout out because uh she gives us uh as much love on on instagram twitter and facebook as we give to her so uh it is much much appreciated and you'll probably see the uh the shares on facebook for those i'm sure we'll share it once we have something on social media you'll, you'll see it she is the super talent among the well between the siblings mike and herself <laughs> Uh, my show talk to me. She's out there doing big things. So yep, yeah, yep. if you're stuck with me talking on a radio show, then you know where you stand in society. Yep, I'm um, I'm depressed. No, thanks for that, Mo. But I am only one episode away from finishing Daredevil on Netflix. So that is pretty fantastic. And for you, Mo, who doesn't watch TV clearly enough, you need to watch Daredevil. Shout out to uh, Marco Ramirez, who's a friend from my days back in LA, who's the executive producer of that show. I'm trying to get you people on the air so we can talk things. Come on, come, come on. We know Mo and I know so many talented individuals that we we just got to get you on the show to talk life, sports, all these good things. So a couple things we got going on go to mentalitymedia.com slash podcast okay this is where you're going to find every single place uh on the internet or on your smartphone where you can listen to the show it's about 12 13 different spots just hit the button and follow us subscribe like it we've been saying this from day one we're, we're, we're at 22 episodes now i continue to say it mo will continue to say it we're even on youtube now so any medium that you possibly have 
uh, we're on. We're gonna be on eight track. It's real soon. We're gonna be on thirty uh, fives. We're gonna we're gonna be all over the place. So pick us up, listen to us, and just uh, just keep the word being spread. We do love it. The comments and the ratings are starting to come through on iTunes. So we're uh, very appreciative of all that. I can't just let you end the show by taking a shot at me. First of all, I will be watching a documentary on <laughs> on the Mets tonight. ESPN yes. have a thirty thirty. Doc Gooden, uh, Strawberry on there. So they're going to talk about their transgressions on and off the field and basically their careers from start to finish. If you're a Mets fan, you might want to check that out. Uh, As Mike said, we're on YouTube. So you people who aren't, I guess, tech savvy or too much trouble to get on iTunes or maybe you don't have an Apple product, just sign on to YouTube. Just go into YouTube, type in Mike and Mo Show. It's all there. We have the last two episodes up there. Every episode from now on will be uploaded to YouTube, and I'm sure everyone by now should know how to use YouTube. What's YouTube? So we're so we're on there. Please subscribe to the channel, leave a comment, and as Mike said, continue to pour in with those uh, those reviews on on iTunes. Yes, and we got one more thing coming your way real soon. We're uh, actually on that same web address, mentalitymedia.com/podcast. We're gonna we're gonna have a new. Uh, Ask Mike and Mo segment. So any questions that you currently have in the world of sports, life, anything you want to tell us, share with us, let us know, drop us a line. Go to the page, fill out in the box down towards the bottom. It'll be sent directly to us. And if we get enough of them, we'll talk about it on next week's show. So that is my goal to you. Of all the listeners that we have, of over the 5,000 followers that we have on Facebook, I want at least three people to write five. in five, five mo's being mo's being crazy he's being wild Cause, cause I, I have confidence because i already have two people that are already saying you know what, i'll come on the show asking questions so I, right. i'm saying five because if you put my two and your three together that equals all five. right so five questions nothing crazy keep it 100 but but <laughs> but let's 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 do this let's have a brand new segment we're gonna keep adding to the show we're gonna keep making it great until we sign that fat million dollar check and then i'm out i am so yeah, yeah. done you, you are so Tom Brady, Donald Trump, Nico Grimes mixed together. It's oh, ridiculous. But anyway, you, you but anyway <laughs> as Mike said, we have a new segment coming up. And even if you want to talk, if you have a relationship problem, please ask me because Mike will probably ruin your life. So Whoa, if you have a relationship I am issue, very don't, happy don't, in my relationships. Thank you very you much. Can, you can direct those toward me and I'll save you. I'll save your partner a lot of heartache. Absolutely. Mike, eh, maybe not so No, no. Me, I'm just going to tell you to run. Run away. <laughs> And this is why you don't ask Mike about relationship <laughs> issues because he will ruin your life. Hey, I I, at least you have fun with it. At least you'll have fun when you're driving the other direction. But that is by it. Yourself. Yes, by yourself. In tears. In tears. But you know what? You can listen to us on iTunes while you're driving away. So it's, it's a win-win. That is it for episode 22 of the Mike and Mo Show. As always, I'm Mike Calandrillo. He's Maurice Moulton. Uh, this time next week, we're going to be real close to uh, to the MLB non-waiver trade deadline. Football's gearing up a little bit more. Uh, not a whole lot going on. So we do really, really want you guys to write in to let us know. Um, you know, let's talk. Let's just let's chop it up real quick, barbershop style. Uh, until then, Mo, anything else? Uh Tacos, ice cream tonight. <laughs> Sit in front of your TV. It's a Mets documentary. Yeah, and that'll be interesting. Uh, I already read some some great stuff that um, Dwight okay. Dwight had to say, and what uh, what also Daryl Strawberry had to say. I'm he, not. He actually, he actually had affairs in the clubhouse yeah. during the game, which I thought yeah. was pretty interesting. So please yeah. watch that. Check it out. DVR it. We'll talk about it next week. Until then. If you don't go to iTunes, then we're no longer friends. I'm Mike Angelo. He's Maurice Moten. We'll catch you on the flip. <laughs>